0: First Peter and chapter number 2. I want to remind you just uh, real quickly what we've already looked at. Um, we saw that the Word, the Gospel, the Lord Jesus, the living stone, is a stumbling block to those that are lost. But yet, for those that are saved, He is your hope and He's your only help. He's the sufficient one. And then we saw last week that in the midst of this world in which we live, we ought to have our conversation, our life, our lifestyle, to be of such that whereby by the works that the Lord does through us, the lost world would see that. And there would come a day when they would glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, what we're going to start looking at here in verse 13 Is what do those good works look like? Specifically, what are they? What is the witness that we have before the world? I'm going to tell you. This first one's probably going to surprise you a little bit. Look what it says here. Verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today for your word and your truth. I pray that you'd speak to us in a very personal way through this text. Father, I thank you today that, Father, there's ever a day that this text is relevant. It's today. And so, Father, use it in our lives in Jesus' name. And all God's children said... Amen. Well, I want you to look with me at this passage. We're going to look first at a word, a word about submission. He uses this term in verse 13, submit yourselves. It's imperative in the Greek text, which means it's a command. It's not optional. Now, he says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I want you to look at a few things here. The first thing is the mandate about yielding this word submit has the idea it's a military term has the idea of to place under or be a subordinate to same word used when it says wives, submit yourself unto your husband now i would say this to you submission is the key to proving true salvation And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible is very clear that in true salvation, submission becomes the outflow of what the Lord has done in and through your heart. How many of you agree today if you're saved, we ought to submit ourselves unto Him as Lord? How many of you agree if you're saved today, that not only are we to submit ourselves unto Him as Lord, but we're to submit ourselves unto His Word that is our authority? The Bible's clear that wives, you're to submit yourselves unto your husbands. The Bible is clear that submission is a natural outflow of true new birth. And, And here's the key the key is this. When it comes down to this submission, all of a sudden we want to back up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I can't go there. Well, I got news for you it's biblical truth. And it is a command that he gives. Now you say, what do you mean by the mandate about yielding? He uses this term and he said, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. Now what does that mean? Well, the word ordinance here can be defined this way, creation or institution. And so what it means is this, that we're to submit ourselves to every institution of man that God has placed over us. Now here's the thing. How many agree today if you don't submit to the laws of the land, you're going to find yourself one day answering to the very laws you wouldn't submit yourself to? And so there are many areas in which this fits in. But he clarifies in just a minute, and he says kings, governors, and those that have been placed above you. So in other words, the mandate of yielding is not to submit to some institutions or ordinances, but to all institutions and ordinances. You say, well, preacher, what if I don't agree with them? That's not your prerogative. You say, well, preacher, wait a minute. We live in a day I don't agree with hardly anything's going on. You're going to find out in just a minute that when I don't submit to what God has allowed, I'm really not submitting to God when I think I'm not submitting to an office. And so, in other words, what this is saying is simply this, that we're to submit, we're to place ourselves under the authority of the institutions that God has allowed to be placed over us. And he says, by this, these are the good works, and as people see these things, then they'll come to saving knowledge and glorify God in the day of visitation. This is part of what he's talking about. You say, well, preacher, what if an ordinance or what if an institution or what if a man in that institution has a law that has us to do something against the clear mandate of the Word of God? That's different. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Acts 5, 29, Peter is standing before the Jerusalem council with the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and they come to Peter, and they say, Peter, didn't we not tell you that you're to quit preaching the gospel? Notice what Peter answered. Peter said we ought to obey God rather than man. It's not that God is asking us to submit to the authorities that God has placed above us in respect to disobeying the word of God. But let me tell you something. If it does not go against the clear mandate of the Word of God, you and I are obligated as a Christian in our submission unto the Lord to submit ourselves to the authorities God has placed over. You say, well, I don't like the man that holds that office. God didn't ask you. See, the idea here is submitting to the office, not the man. And this is what God's design is. This is what God has placed within our jurisdiction. You and I are to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. Now you say, well, why am I to do that? Well, notice he tells us. For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Now what does he mean for the Lord's sake? simply means this. This word, Lord's sake, is one Greek word, and it's the word kurios. It's the Lord for Lord, Master, or Owner. We are to submit. Why? Because we have placed ourselves as a child of God under the authority of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And for His glory, we are to submit ourselves unto Him. You say, Well, what's submitting unto Him have to do with submitting under the ordinances of man or the offices of man? Because it was God that instituted them and God put them in place. You say, Wait a minute, preacher. I don't believe God had anything to do with what's going on in our country today. You better be careful. How many agree God can do anything? How many agree God is sovereignly in control of everything? All right, I'm going to give you some verses. I want you to listen to this real carefully. Okay? Y'all got your ears on, say amen. Watch this. I'm going to run through some verses. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 15. God said, By me kings reign. The princes decree justice, so who puts the kings in office? God does. You say, what if it's not a king I agree with? Your problem's not with him. your problem's with God. Daniel chapter two, verse 21. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Boy, this is a strong one here. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but God. And the powers that be are ordained by? I didn't hear you. Are ordained by who? whosoever, therefore, resists the power. In other words, the ones God ordained resisteth the ordinances of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Let me give you another one. John chapter 19, verse 11. The Lord Jesus used the same understanding when he was dealing with Pilate, and Pilate was trying to pronounce judgment, even though Pilate said, I find no fault, Pilate had caved in to the crowd around him. And listen to what the Lord Jesus said. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. You say, preacher, I don't like what's going on in our country. Well, guess what? I'm in the same boat I don't either. But here's the reality of it. It's God that puts the kings in office. It's God that puts the authorities in office. It is God that ordained it and God that allowed it. And here's the thing. When I complain, I'm really complaining against the work of God. You say, well, why would God allow this that's going on today? Have you ever thought that maybe God's trying to judge our country? Have you ever thought God's trying to wake up the church? Have you ever thought that maybe God is trying to make it to where the church has to stand up and be counted? Have you ever thought that God's trying to make it to where the real church one day will stand out above everything else? This. Now, here's the amazing thing. When Peter wrote this, he wrote it when Nero was rainy, and Nero was highly persecuting the Christian. And these that he's writing to in 1 Peter, not only were they being persecuted, many of them were being killed, and Nero himself would bring Peter to a place of being martyred. And yet Peter could say, submit yourself to these very authorities. Now again, I want to make it clear The drawing line, the demarcation, if you will, is as long as the decrees or the institutions do not require you and I to go against the clear mandate of the Word of God. Are y'all hearing me say amen? But notice what I didn't say. The clear choices that I like. Or the preferences that I have. Not what it says. It's a clear mandate of the word of God. How many agree Peter was called to preach? How many agree Peter was commanded to preach? And so therefore when they said if you don't quit preaching we're going to cut your head off. I didn't read the rest of it but if you'll let me paraphrase. Peter said you do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to stop preaching. Because they were commanding him to do something against the clear mandate of the word in which God had gave him. So, now, so what do we find here? We find the mandate against about yielding. We find the motivation in yielding. But notice, thirdly, the measure of yielding. Watch what he says. He says, whether it be king as supreme or unto governors or as unto them that are sent by him, there it is again, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. He said it don't matter who it is. If God has allowed it, we're to submit to what God's allowed. And guys, listen. I'm the first, probably, to be boisterous about the things going on in our country today. But folks, here's what I'm trying to tell you. That when me, you, or anyone else, when we take a mindset that is so against what God has allowed, really the rebellion of our heart is not with what's happening. It's with what God has allowed to happen. And that's the key here. Now, there's a principle in this, and there's a purpose in this. So notice first, the word the word about submission. But I want you to notice secondly, the word about silence. Look what it says here. It says, for so is the will of God. This is the clear mandate of God. This is the determination of God that God has allowed these things to take place, that through which we would yield and submit to the office, not to the person, and we would yield up to the point where we do not go against the confines of the Word of God, but yet in doing so, we are obeying the very Lord that we serve. And so listen, my obedience to the laws of this land that don't go against the Word of God is really not my obedience to the laws themselves. My obedience to the laws is really my obedience to the God who allowed them. You say, well, God didn't create some of these. Well, he allowed them. And Let me ask you a question. Is there anything God can't do in realm of his sovereign power over everything? So how many of you agree if God allowed them, God could have stopped them? You say, well... How would God stop them? Well, i got news for you. You read the Old Testament. You'll find many times in the Old Testament, God turned the heart of a heathen king. I mean, you tell me, you've asked Pharaoh in the Old Testament if God didn't get his attention. I mean, Pharaoh said, we're not going to let God's people go. God said, oh, really? Let me give you this. One plague. We're not going to let God's people go. Oh, Really? Let me give you this, another plague. We're not going to let me, Oh, really? Let me give you this, another plague. How many of you agree after so many plagues, Pharaoh said, let them go. Get them out of here. I can't take this anymore. God can do anything. So if God's allowed it, we're to submit to it. So a word about silence. So what does this do? Well, this is the, the will of God. This is the determination of God. But why did he do this? Why did he allow this? Well, watch what it says. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, here's what was happening in that day. Nero was using against the Christian lies concerning them. In other words, he was calling them lawless. He was calling them, uh, he blamed them for burning down the city. I mean, he would accuse them of many things. And so here's what, Peter was saying, listen, don't rebel against the authority God allowed. He said, instead submit, honor the office, not the man, but honor the office, and in doing so, when you submit, even when you're being persecuted, the world will look at you and can't say of you, you're lawless, but the world will look at you and say, what is wrong with you? Something different about you. How many agree it's... Easy to submit to someone that's always kind to you. How many agree it's easy to submit to someone that's over you that you always agree with? But how many agree it takes dying to self to submit to someone that you don't agree with or an office that has someone in it you don't agree with? So what has the greater testimony? Someone that is ruling these of Peter's day who are in agreement with them, Christian like them, believing the Lord like them, always treating Christians well, or a man named Nero who would have done anything to stamp out Christianity and yet then dying to self. Did they like it? No. But were they willing to submit to the office that God had put them over? Yes. As long as they didn't have to go against the word of God. See, this is what he's saying here. And so what happens is it puts the foolish to silence. Now, why does he use the word foolish here? I'm going to give it to you real simple, okay? He uses the word foolish because these were men that chose to be blind to who God was. The word ignorance here has not an idea of ignorance in general, but an ignorance of who God is. In other words, they chose to be ignorant. They chose to not see who God is. They chose to turn their back on who God was. In other words, what they knew about God, they chose to turn their backs again. And so therefore, here's the reality you either now are in a place where you either blame somebody else or you blame yourself. Here's what I found that happens in church, okay? What I found that happens in church is this. When someone gets convicted about something, or in other words, the Word of God begins to... Y'all know what I'm talking about? Begins to stick it. Here's what I found. You either respond by saying, Yes, that's right, that's me. And you see yourself in light of the mirror of the Word. But what I've found a lot of times in church is usually people will get mad first before they'll get right. And when they get mad, they'd rather blame somebody else. Do you know how many people I as a pastor have witnessed to and the, the reason they give me for not allowing themselves to be a part of the Word of God is because of something they've seen or something they've heard from someone else? see, it's so easy for me to blame somebody else. Are you all with me? Say amen. See, like last night, I could stand up here all day long and say the officiating in the Tennessee-South Carolina game was awful. (laughs) Or I could look in the mirror and just say, no, we were awful. Are y'all hearing me? See, it's a lot easier to blame somebody else. So how do we cause a world to be silent? How do we cause a world to turn silent against the accusations against the Christian? Submit, even when you don't agree. How many agree this falls down in every aspect of our life? How many agree it falls down into the family? How many agree it falls down into your marriage? How many agree you that work, it falls down into your employment? All right, I want anybody in here to raise your hand if you say that your boss, whoever you work for, you agreed with 100% everything they ever did. Anybody raise their hand? All right, one person, because they work for themselves. (laughs) But you submit to their authority. Why? Because when you took that job, you were saying this was God's mission field for you, and God put you there. You think God didn't know who your boss was going to be before he ever put you there? It applies to every aspect of our life. So when you're at work and your boss does something that just absolutely drives you nuts, and the person you work with knows it drove you nuts, and they come and they try to reel you in. What you going to do about it? I just go give him peace of my mind. Is what I do about it? And you look at that person you're working with and say, "Oh no, I may not agree with him, but God placed me here under His authority, whether I like it or not. And what He's asking of me does not go against the mandate of the Word. Therefore, I'm going to submit to what He says." Because he's the one God placed over me. Y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, here's a great illustration. I had to go to Spartanburg Hospital a couple times this past week. And uh, I walked in. And, of course, last time I was down there, everybody had to wear masks. And I walked in. Nobody's wearing masks except for a few. And I thought, what's good? So I walked up to somebody who had a name badge on me. And I said, are masks not required anymore? They said, no. I said, "Brave God. <laughs> she said, this is what the lady said to me. She said, I know. She said I, she said, I was so mad when they made us wear them. She said, I'm so glad I don't have to wear them today. And I looked at her and I said this to her. I said, well, ma'am, I said, I don't mind wearing them because if that is their ordinance. But I'm glad they changed it. Amen? Now, here's the thing. This, this is the principle we're talking about. Now, so, so watch this with me. This word silence means to muzzle like an animal. It's, it's found that way in 1 Timothy 5, 18. Now, let me thirdly, and I'm done. Thirdly, I'm done. A word about servanthood. Look at verse 16. Notice it's a continuation of the sentence. For, verse 15, so is the will of God that you in well-doing put to silence the ignorance of foolish man as free. Continuation. And not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servant of God. You say, well, "What does this mean?" Well, how many of you agree today? If God saved you, you're free. How many agree? God set you free. Free from what? All right, let's define liberty real quick. Notice the defining liberty. You're not free to do what you want to do. Your freedom does not come with a license that gives you a reality that you can live now how you want to live as long as you keep it within certain bounds. No, your liberty is simply this. God sets you free from yourself. God sets you free from sin. And God sets you free from Satan. And now all of a sudden you are now free to what? Have all the limitations, all the... The stringencies, all the change that kept you from obeying God. And now you're free to obey God because God set you free. People think I'm saved. Now I can just go and live my life. And when I die, I'll be happy ever I die. I got news for you. The day God saved you, he just started on you. So, in other words, here's what Peter's saying to him. He said, Listen, walk in the will of God, submit yourself to those God's put above you, that you can silence the ignorance of foolish man as free as those that have been liberated. And then he says this the defilement of liberty, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. What's maliciousness mean? Simply means this can be defined: depravity, evil, wickedness, malice. In other words, not using your liberty as a garment that you enshroud yourself in, that now lets you be my own man. Live my life how I want to live it. Because here's what we do. We have so convinced ourselves in church in America that God knows I'm not going to be sinless perfect until I get to glory. So I'll live it up. I'll make my own decisions. And if it's sin, God will forgive me. Well, i got news for you. That's a warped perspective on Christianity. You know why that is? Romans 6, 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Why? Because I died with Him. I was buried with Him. I rose with Him. And now I'm not a servant to unrighteousness, but I'm a servant to righteousness. And in other words, I'm dead to who I was, but alive unto God. Hey, I want to tell you something today. You are set free from you. You're set free from your sin, but you're set free to obey God. Let me tell you something. Your liberty that came with your salvation drives you to more holiness. does not pull you away from it. And he says to these That he's writing to. Don't defile your liberty. By using it as a license. And then lastly. But as servants of God. The delight. Of liberty. Listen to me. How many of you remember the day. God set you free. This week's Thanksgiving. How many of you are thankful today God set you free? Did God have to do that? It's the reason it's called grace. Ask free. Liberated to obey God. Don't use your freedom as a cloak or a garment of maliciousness, a license to live how you want to live. Instead, as free, understand you're servants of God. The word servant is the Greek word doulios means bondservant. Here's what it means. In the Old Testament, I've taught you this before, but let me remind you. In the Old Testament, God had a law that if someone served a master out of duty for six years, the seventh year, they could go free. Now, can you imagine? Here's a servant that uh, served a master for six years, whether he wanted to or not. The master came to the servant and said, listen, the seventh year is a month away. You don't have to serve me anymore. You can take you and your wife and your kids. And you can go and live how you want to live. You're free to make your own choices. You're free to do whatever you want to do. And so this servant is hearing this. And all of a sudden in his mind, he's mulling over I can do whatever I want to do. I can be free. But wait a minute. Master, you've been good to us. You've been so good to us. Why would I want to go free? Master, I don't want to go free because I love you. And the Bible says at that moment, the master would bore a hole in that servant's ear, marking him as always belonging to the master. And everywhere that servant would go, it would no longer be, well, there goes old Donald. No, it would be, there goes so-and-so's servant. Always identified with the master because of the mark in his ear. And the Bible says at that moment, when that servant says, I don't want to go free for I love you. You've treated me so good. You've been so good to me. The Bible says from that moment on, he would serve that master forever. Oh, but something drastically has changed. For six years, he served out of duty, whether he wanted to or not. But now, listen, he chose to serve. Now it's out of delight, out of the motivation of love. And now he serves out of the motivation of love. Hey, listen, every one of us that are saved in here today, raise your hand and said, I'm thankful that God set me free. So why do you want to choose to do with your life what you want to do with it? Why do you choose to do with your time what you want to do with it? Has God been good to you? Has He ever done anything that would cause you not want to serve Him? Did God put the kings in office? Is He in control? Do I have to like it? By your submission, the world will look at you and God will muzzle them up like an ox. They can try to say, but there's no evidence to prove it. And here's what it says to the world I'm free. I'm free. I'm free to obey God. I'm free to trust God with who He's placed over me. I'm free to trust God in the circumstances that come with who He's placed over me. I'm free to live holy. I'm free to not sin. I'm free to serve Him who's done nothing but love me. When I didn't deserve the love, I'm free. Now, what a God we serve. Mm. Father, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. Father, there may be those in here today, and they've never been set free. Oh, Father, they're free to make their own choices. They're free to do with their time and what they choose to do with it. They're free to live their own lives. They're free to please themselves. Father, that's not the freedom that you set us free to. Father, I wonder who in here today has never experienced a liberty, of freedom that drives them to obedience, drives them to holiness, drives them to service, drives them to love you with all their heart, mind, and soul. Father, maybe there's those in here today that, Father, like me, have found ourselves being critical of what's going on today in our land. Father, even though there's several things going on in our land today that clearly go against the mandate of your word, Father, maybe you've revealed to us this morning that as much as I don't have to like it, you've allowed the authorities that are over us. And I can trust you in the midst of anything that goes on in this world. Your word says you'll never leave your child nor forsake them. That you'll provide our every need, no matter how bad it may get. That your grace is sufficient. And that you're everything we need. Father, we can't hold a candle to what these people Peter were writing to were having to endure. In the persecution. Severe persecution at times. That's foreign to us in America. But Father, you had Peter write this to them. Who just speaking out for the faith could cost them their lives. So Father, maybe today, There's someone in this place that may need to come and get along with you and say, Lord, you've loved me. You set me free and I love you. But Father, I want to admit that there's times I've been a reluctant servant. I've served out of duty and not delight. I've served because I thought I had to instead of I wanted to. Would you forgive me? Have your will and your way in this invitation for your honor, your glory, and your namesake. In Jesus' holy, precious, and mighty name. And all God's children said,